Lesson 5 for January 24-30, The Blessings of the Righteous. Sabbath afternoon, January 24. Before we start, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, as we open your word again this week, we just still want to thank you for who you are, the blessings you give to us, and for your part in our lives. And we pray as we open your word this week that we may more fully come to walk with you, but also to understand more about you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our memory text this week is Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 6. Blessings are on the head of the righteous, but violence covers the mouth of the wicked. Let's read that again. Proverbs 10 verse 6. Blessings are on the head of the righteous, but violence covers the mouth of of the wicked. As the title suggests, this lesson looks at the blessings of the righteous. The Hebrew word Zadik, Z-A-D-D-I-Q, for righteous, is the key word of our texts. Zedek, Z-E-D-E-Q, also translated justice, from which it is derived, appears in the introduction of the whole book, the Proverbs of Solomon, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, Zedek. That's Proverbs 1 and part of verses 1 to 3. What the book of Proverbs is telling us is that wisdom is righteousness and righteousness means to walk according to God's commands, to walk in faith and obedience to what the Lord has called us to be and to do. Righteousness is a gift, one that comes from God. The opposite is folly and unfaithfulness. Wisdom is justice or righteousness. Folly is sin and wickedness. And in the verses we will study, the contrast between them is stark. Sunday, January 25. Righteousness is holistic. Question. Read Proverbs chapter 10, verses 1 to 7. What various principles about life and faith are revealed here? Beginning at verse 1. A wise man makes a glad father, but a foolish son is the grief of his mother. Treasures of wickedness profit nothing, but righteousness delivers from death. The Lord will not allow the righteous soul to famish, but he casts away the desire of the wicked. He who has a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. He who gathers in summer is a wise son. He who sleeps in harvest is a son who causes shame. Blessings are on the head of the righteous, but violence covers the mouth of the wicked. The memory of the righteous is blessed, but the name of the wicked will rot. There is a story about a man in a boat who began to drill a hole under his feet where he sat. When people in the boat demanded that he stop, he responded, This is none of your business, this is my place. This absurd response is often the excuse used by the sinner to justify his or her behaviour. This is my life. It has nothing to do with you. Of course, anything we do or don't do has an impact on others, especially on those nearest to us. 
Who hasn't felt, in a big way, the results of other people's actions, either good or bad? The principle of unity between the spiritual moral life and the physical material life is dealt with in verses 3 to 5. The Lord will not allow the righteous soul to famish, but he casts away the desire of the wicked. He who has a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. He who gathers in summer is a wise son. He who sleeps in harvest is a son who causes shame. The main idea is that wickedness or moral deficiency does not pay even if one is rich, and that righteousness is always rewarding. In one way or another, even if one is poor. In verses 6 and 7, we see here an earlier expression of what Jesus said about how lust is adultery or hatred akin to murder. Blessings are on the head of the righteous, but violence covers the mouth of the wicked. The memory of the righteous is blessed, but the name of the wicked will rot. Hiding our hatred behind our words doesn't always work either. Wicked thoughts are often betrayed in our body language and the tone of our voice. The best possible starting point for good relations with others is as it says in Leviticus 19 verse 18, You shall love your neighbour as yourself. And we'll compare that with Matthew 19.19, Honour your father and your mother, and you shall love your neighbour as yourself. As the texts also suggest, the impression you make for good can have a lasting influence on others. In the end, we're dealing with a certain amount of common sense. Isn't it better to have a good name than a bad one? So to finish today, what important decision are you going to be making soon? If you haven't already done so, consider carefully the impact that choice might have on others. For good, or for evil. Monday, January 26, The Mouth of the Righteous The mouth, with its components, the lips and the tongue, is the most important organ in the book of Proverbs. In the New King James Version of the book, the word mouth is used 50 times. Lips occurs 41 times, and tongue 19. The use of this organ in speech is a particular important theme in Proverbs chapters 10 to 29. The basic premise is crucial. Our words are very powerful, either for good or for evil. The tongue can be the best or the worst gift that we've been given. This ambivalence about the tongue is one of the most important lessons in Proverbs. Indeed, the mouth generates life, but it also may bring death. Question. Read Proverbs chapter 10, verses 11 to 14. What is the contrast there between how the righteous person speaks, and how the fool does. Beginning in Proverbs 10 and verse 11, the mouth of the righteous is a well of life, but violence covers the mouth of the wicked. Hatred stirs up strife, 
but love covers all sins. Wisdom is found on the lips of him who has understanding, but a rod is for the back of him who is devoid of understanding. Wise people store up knowledge, but the mouth of the foolish is near destruction. In verse 11, notice the expression, the well of life. It symbolically refers to qualities of wisdom. It is used in reference to the Lord, the source of life, in Psalm 36 verse 9. For with you is the fountain of life, in your light we see light. The same image is used in relation to the sanctuary, from which the stream of water springs. Ezekiel 47 verses 1 and 2. Then he brought me back to the door of the temple, and there was water, flowing from under the threshold of the temple toward the east. For the front of the temple faced east. The water was flowing from under the right side of the temple, south of the altar. He brought me out by way of the north gate and led me around on the outside of the outer gateway that faces east, and there was water running out on the right side. Jesus used this metaphor to illustrate the gift of the Spirit in John 4.14. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. So the comparison of the mouth of the righteous to a well of life amounts to relating it to God himself. What characterizes this mouth is the positive gift of life. This quality tells us what the proper function of the mouth should be. It should be a force for good, not evil, a source of life, not death. What is being said here is seen also in James 3, verses 2 to 12. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able to also bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea, is tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men, who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives, or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh. Remember, too, that it was through speech, through the word of his power, as we read in Hebrews 1.3, that God created the heavens and the earth. Speech, therefore, should serve only creative purposes. So to finish today, 
Consider just how incredibly powerful words are. With your words, you can fill people with self-confidence, cheer and hope. Or you can break them down and damage them as surely as if you attacked them physically. How careful are you as you wield the power of your tongue? Tuesday, January 27, The Hope of the Righteous The integrity of the upright shall guide them, but the perverseness of transgressors shall destroy them. Proverbs 11, verse 3 What evidence do we have of the truth of this verse? What examples have you seen or heard about in which this spiritual truth has been revealed? By contrast, what things have you seen that mean, so far at least, that you have to take this text by faith? The integrity of the upright shall guide them, but the perverseness of transgressors shall destroy them. Question. Read Proverbs chapter 11. Though it touches on so many topics, what are some of the great blessings that come to the faithful as opposed to what happens to the wicked? beginning at verse 1 of chapter 11. Dishonest scales are an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. When pride comes, then comes shame, but with the humble is wisdom. The integrity of the upright will guide them, but the perversity of the unfaithful will destroy them. Riches do not profit in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. The righteousness of the blameless will direct his way aright, but the wicked will fall by his own wickedness. The righteousness of the upright will deliver them, but the unfaithful will be caught by their lust. When a wicked man dies, his expectation will perish, and the hope of the unjust perishes. The righteous is delivered from trouble, and it comes to the wicked instead. The hypocrite with his mouth destroys his neighbour but through knowledge the righteous will be delivered. When it goes well with the righteous, the city rejoices, and when the wicked perish, there is jubilation. By the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted, but it is overthrown by the mouth of the wicked. He who is devoid of wisdom despises his neighbour, but a man of understanding holds his peace. A talebearer reveals secrets, but he who is of a faithful spirit conceals a matter. Where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counsellors, there is safety. He who is surety for a stranger will suffer, but one who hates being surety is secure. A gracious woman retains honour, but ruthless men retain riches. The merciful man does good for his own soul, but he who is cruel troubles his own flesh. The wicked man does deceptive work, but he who sows righteousness will have a sure reward. As righteousness leads to life, so he who pursues evil pursues it to his own death. Those who are of a perverse heart are an abomination to the Lord, but the blameless in their ways are his delight. 
Though they join forces, the wicked will not go unpunished, but the posterity of the righteous will be delivered. As a ring of gold is a swine's snout, so is a lovely woman who lacks discernment. The desire of the righteous is only good, but the expectation of the wicked is wrath. There is one who scatters, yet increases more, and there is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. The people will curse him who withholds grain, but blessing will be on the head of him who sells it. He who earnestly seeks good finds favour, but trouble will come to him who seeks evil. He who trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like foliage. He who troubles his own house will inherit the wind, and the fool will be servant to the wise of heart. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. If the righteous will be recompensed on the earth, how much more the ungodly and the sinner. The sense of a future and the value of what is not yet seen help motivate the righteous to live rightly, as we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Because of their hope in the future, the righteous behave with humility, honesty and compassion. On the other hand, Wicked people live only in the present. They are concerned only with what they see and with the immediate reward. They think of themselves before others and will resort to deception and abuse. For instance, the salespeople who deceive their customers might perhaps get an immediate reward with a higher price, but they ultimately could lose their customers and their business might fail. As we read in verse 3, The integrity of the upright will guide them, but the perversity of the unfaithful will destroy them. And in verse 18, the wicked man does deceptive work, but he who sows righteousness will have a sure reward. So to finish today, think about some of the decisions you have to make and how you go about making them. How much long-term planning, as in eternity, factors into your choices. Wednesday, January 28, The Truth of the Righteous. Question. Read chapter 12 of Proverbs and focus on the theme of words, especially in the context of telling truth or telling lies. What message do we find here about honesty and lying? Verse 1. Whoever loves instruction loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid. A good man obtains favour from the Lord, but a man of wicked intentions he will condemn. A man is not established by wickedness, but the root of the righteous cannot be moved. An excellent wife is the crown of her husband, but she who causes shame is like rottenness in his bones. 
The thoughts of the righteous are right, but the counsels of the wicked are deceitful. The words of the wicked are, lie in wait for blood, but the mouth of the upright will deliver them. The wicked are overthrown and are no more, but the house of the righteous will stand. A man will be commended according to his wisdom, but he who is of a perverse heart will be despised. Better is the one who is slighted, but has a servant, than he who honours himself, but lacks bread. A righteous man regards the life of his animal, but the tender mercies of the wicked are cruel. He who tills his land will be satisfied with bread, but he who follows frivolity is devoid of understanding. The wicked covet the catch of evil men, but the root of the righteous yield fruit. The wicked is ensnared by the transgression of his lips, but the righteous will come through trouble. A man will be satisfied with good by the fruit of his mouth, and the recompense of a man's hands will be rendered to him. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he who heeds counsel is wise. A fool's wrath is known at once, but a prudent man covers shame. He who speaks truth declares righteousness, but a false witness deceit. There is one who speaks like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise promotes health. The truthful lip shall be established forever, but a lying tongue is but a moment. Deceit is in the heart of those who devise evil, but counsellors of peace have joy. No grave trouble will overtake the righteous, but the wicked shall be filled with evil. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who deal truthfully are his delight. A prudent man conceals knowledge, but the heart of fools proclaims foolishness. The hand of the diligent will rule, but the lazy man will be put to forced labour. Anxiety in the heart of man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. The righteous should choose his friends carefully, for the way of the wicked leads them astray. The lazy man does not roast what he took in hunting, but diligence is man's precious possession. In the way of righteousness is life, and in its pathway there is no death. Philosopher Cicela Bock has convincingly demonstrated how lying can be harmful for society. She writes in Lying, Moral Choice in Public and Private Life, published by Pantheon Books in 1978, and from page 19. A society, then, whose members were unable to distinguish truthful messages from deceptive ones, would collapse. End of quote. Likewise, Augustine, as quoted in the introduction of Bock's book, noted that when regard for truth has been broken down or even slightly weakened, all things will remain doubtful. Ellen White wrote, in My Life Today, Lying lips are an abomination to him. He who declares that into the holy city there shall in no wise enter anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie. Let truth-telling be held with no loose hand or uncommon grasp. Let it become a part of the life. 
playing fast and loose with truth and dissembling to suit one's own selfish plan, means shipwreck of faith. He who utters untruths sells his soul in a cheap market. His falsehoods may seem to serve in emergencies. He may thus seem to make business advancement that he could not gain by fair dealing. But he finally reaches the place where he can trust no one. Himself a falsifier, he has no confidence in the word of others. When we think of how powerful words are, and we finish the quote, we must think about lying as well, because most lies are told with words. Who hasn't felt the sting, the betrayal, the sense of defilement when lied to? It's not hard to imagine a society falling into total chaos when lying is the norm rather than an aberration from the norm. There's another angle too. The effect of lying on the one who lies. Some people are so used to the practice that it doesn't bother them. Many people, though, do feel a sense of guilt, of shame, when they lie. Good for them, because that means there is still some receptiveness to the Holy Spirit. Imagine, though, the danger for the one who lies but doesn't even think twice about it. So to finish today, when was the last time you lied? How did you feel when you did it? Thursday, January 29, The Reward of the Righteous As we've seen in Proverbs, so much of the instruction and teaching given has been presented by contrasting two types of people. The wise person does this, the fool does that. The godly man does that, the wicked man does this. Of course, in reality, there's often a bit of wisdom and foolishness in all of us. With the exception of Jesus, we are all sinners. We all fall, as it says in Romans 3.23, short of the glory of God. Fortunately, we have the wonderful promise that comes in the next verse. Though we are sinners by faith, we can be justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. In the end, all humanity is going to be in either one of two camps, people who are going to be saved or lost. Question. Read John chapter 3, verse 16. What two options does all humanity face? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Another question. Read Proverbs chapter 13. How does this chapter contrast the experience and fate of the righteous with that of the wicked? Let's begin at verse 1. A wise son heeds his father's instruction, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. A man shall eat well by the fruit of his mouth, but the soul of the unfaithful feeds on violence. He who guards his mouth preserves his life but he who opens wide his lips shall have destruction. The soul of a lazy man desires, 
and has nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. A righteous man hates lying, but a wicked man is loathsome and comes to shame. Righteousness guards him whose way is blameless, but wickedness overthrows the sinner. There is one who makes himself rich, yet has nothing, and one who makes himself poor, yet has great riches. The ransom of a man's life is his riches, but the poor does not hear rebuke. The light of the righteous rejoices, but the lamp of the wicked will be put out. By pride comes nothing but strife, but with the well-advised is wisdom. Wealth gained by dishonesty will be diminished, but he who gathers by labour will increase. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. He who despises the word will be destroyed, but he who fears the commandment will be rewarded. The law of the wise is a fountain of life, to turn one away from the snares of death. Good understanding gains favour, but the way of the unfaithful is hard. Every prudent man acts with knowledge, but a fool lays open his folly. A wicked messenger falls into trouble, but a faithful ambassador brings health. Poverty and shame will come to him who disdains correction, but he who regards a rebuke will be honoured. A desire accomplished is sweet to the soul, but it is an abomination to fools to depart from evil. He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. Evil pursues sinners, but to the righteous good shall be repaid. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. Much food is in the fallow ground of the poor, and for lack of justice there is waste. He who spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. The righteous eats to the satisfaction of his soul, but the stomach of the wicked shall be in want. The wise are compared to a lasting lamp, while the wicked are compared to a lamp that will be put out in verse 9. The wise person will enjoy the good fruit of his or her work, while the sinner will reap evil. We read about that in verses 2 and 25. Through their children, verse 22, the wise have a future even beyond themselves. The wicked instead will leave their wealth to strangers, even to the righteous, as it said in verse 22. The point is that a life of faith and obedience to the Lord is better than a life of disobedience and folly. So to finish today, putting aside the big issue of the promise of eternal life, what are some of the immediate day-to-day advantages that you have experienced through living a life of faith in Christ? Friday, January 30. From the book Christ's Object Lessons, page 312 and 313, 
It is not enough to make a profession of faith in Christ and have our names registered on the church roll. Whatever our profession, it amounts to nothing unless Christ is revealed in works of righteousness. And from the book Desire of Ages, page 309 and 310. The greatest deception of the human mind in Christ's day was that a mere assent to the truth constitutes righteousness. In all human experience, a theoretical knowledge of the truth has been proved to be insufficient for the saving of the soul. The darkest chapters of history are burdened with the record of crimes committed by bigoted religionists. The same danger still exists. Many take it for granted that they are Christians, simply because they subscribe to certain theological tenets. But they have not brought the truth into practical life. Men may profess faith in the truth, but if it does not make them sincere, kind, forbearing, heavenly-minded, it is a curse to its possessors, and through their influence it is a curse to the world. The righteousness which Christ taught is conformity of heart and life to the revealed will of God. And that brings us to our two discussion questions for this week. One, discuss how our decisions impact others for good or for evil. Why is this an inescapable fact of life? This truth was first revealed in the story of the fall, where even to this day the impact of Adam and Eve's choice is felt in each of our lives. It might be tempting to try to measure the amount of good or bad our decisions might bring, but that's risky, because we often don't know the impact of our choices. Why then, in light of God and His law, must we choose to do what's right, regardless of what we fear the consequences might be? And question two. Proverbs makes a sharp distinction between the righteous and the fool. And from these verses we learn about what is right and wrong. Why, though, must we be very careful whom we judge as fools? On the other hand, how often have we been deceived by those whom we once thought were righteous? Inside Story Our mission story this week is titled A Light in the World. Heather Ewick grew up in Delta Junction, a small town at the end of the Alaska Highway. As a child, Heather loved going to camp every summer and kept a record of her experiences, listing her daily activities. Early on, she wrote, And of course, we had to do worship, and that was dumb. But as the years went by, camp worships became more meaningful to Heather. One worship that made a big impression involved a candle and a balloon. They held a balloon over a lit candle and the balloon popped right away. Then they put water into another balloon and held it over the candle and it didn't pop. The presenter explained that we are like the balloon and the water represents Christ. If we have Christ in us, he calms us and gives us peace and strength. He's a source, a resource we can latch onto. 
Heather now tries to pass on these lessons to campers as she works at Camp Polaris. The kids aren't Adventists and they don't come from the best families, she said. They aren't used to discipline, to structure and people caring about them. They often act up. Sometimes it seems as if they hate camp. But they keep coming back. Even with the struggles underneath, they realise that we actually care about them. Heather admits that working at Camp Polaris has taught her patience. It's my job to lead the kids toward God. Patience and flexibility is so important and trusting in God. It's given me a strong tool for facing situations that may come up in my life. Just learning to deal with the things that this world throws at you. It's given me an appreciation for others who have served me and has given me the attitude that I want to help other people and be a light in the world. Camp Polaris is in need of updated facilities, such as bear-proof cabins, says Heather. And now that the Moody's have left, the only way to ferry the children to camp is by making several one-and-a-half-hour trips by small boat. Restroom and bathing facilities include two outhouses, a steam sauna and the icy waters of Lake Alkanik. But the primitive accommodations are not a deterrent for Heather. I've lived in Alaska all my life, she says, and Camp Polaris is the most isolated I've ever been. But it's definitely a place where you can feel very close to God. I really love it up there. Your reader for this week's lesson has been Dr. Percy Harold. This lesson is brought to you by the Sabbath School Department, Christian Services for the Blind and Hearing Impaired, and through the services of Adventist Media Network. Remember, God is always faithful.